Well, good morning, everyone. It seems it's very boomy this morning, isn't it? Does it seem very boomy to you? Okay. Um, okay, just as you take your seats, uh, we're going to be talking this morning, as I'm sure you already all know, about serving or service. Uh, and it's another brick in the wall. But we're going to start slightly differently. Oh, we haven't done this for a while. We've got a little clip for you to watch. So while you're unwrapping your sweets, I want to introduce you to a new friend of mine. He's called Douglas. He might be known to some of you already, especially if you do kids' work. Uh, and this is what Douglas has to say to us this morning. Hey guys, it's me again, Douglas, and I have some exciting news for you guys. Well, I thought it was exciting news, but it actually turns out to be terrible news. The news is I have become the new class president for my grade at my school. See, there was nobody who was wanting to be the class president. Nobody was running, and they needed somebody to run, and I was like, well, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll run for class president. And I won because nobody was trying to get it besides me. And uh, I, I, I got it, and then, and then once I became the class president, I got the list. There's this huge list of stuff that I'm supposed to do now. It's all my responsibilities because I'm the class president. I found out why nobody wanted this job because it comes with a whole lot of work. You see, I've got to go to these meetings and I've got to come up with ideas for how to make the school better and I've got to meet with my principal and I've got to meet with the other class presidents and the whole student council and I've got to have all these meetings and meetings and meetings and I've got to do all this stuff. And I thought being the class president meant I would just, you know, stand up on the stage every once in a while and in general assembly and then and maybe people would like clap for me or something and maybe I'd get to go first in the lunch line but no this comes with a lot of work and I was I was seriously thinking about stepping down because I'm not interested in all that extra work I kind of just wanted to be important you know there's this verse in the bible where the disciples Jesus 12 disciples they were they were kind of hassling him because they wanted to see which one of them was going to be the best disciple and they, were, they wanted Jesus to, you know, settle the bet or whatever, to, to tell them which one of them was the best. And he said to them, whichever of you wants to be first must be last. He told them that if they wanted to be great, that they needed to be the servant of all. And you know, here's the thing is Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's God's son. He is God. You know, he didn't come to the earth to, to be served by people. You know, he didn't come to the earth to get, you know, a round of applause and be first in the lunch line. No, he came to save us from our sins. And on top of that, he did all kinds of other things to serve other people. Like, he washed people's feet, nasty, muddy, gunky feet. And he told his disciples that the first will be last. That if they wanted to be the best, they needed to be the servant of everybody. And so, you know what? I don't think I am going to step down from this job of, of class president. I'm going to stick it out because you know what I was looking through the binder of all the things I got to do and I think there's a lot of good I can do for my class it's going to be a lot of work but I, I really think I can be a help and so my challenge to you guys today is that you and I would follow Jesus example and that we would serve other people and we wouldn't just be looking to you know be served ourselves but that we would look for ways that we can serve others that we can make other people's lives better and we can help make the world a better place Jesus set the perfect example of service for you and for me. So let's follow that example and put the needs of other people first. So there we go. We can have tea and coffee now, can't we?
So I just uh, came across that. Unfortunately, Phil, he does one on generosity as well, but I only came across it this week. I could have... Uh, so you could perhaps play that next week before, uh, before we all arrive or just as we're coming in. So serving, service, words association, if we think about the word or the word servant, or it has lots of um, connotations, doesn't it? It, it? it conjures up lots of things immediately, perhaps, in our minds. Servant, slavery, servitude, the Im- implication in history of the unbalance, the non-balance of power between people who are powerful and those who have, have been called as slaves or to, to serve other people, whether they liked it or not. Linked to slavery, which we know is fundamentally an unjust thing. But we also use service entirely appropriately um, because, for example, you might know, not know this or you might know that um, in the UK, the vast majority of our economic uh, model is based on what we call the service industry. In fact, 70% of our gross domestic product, that's how much we generate as a country, comes from the industry that's called the service industry. We go to restaurants, we expect to be served, and it's not a bad thing, it's just part and parcel of the interaction that we have when we are uh, paying someone else to do something for us. And it's not, that's not an abusive relationship, it's just one that is a fact. It's a transaction between different people. So it's not necessarily the easiest word to think of as a powerful word. But the fact is, spiritually, to serve is not only godlike and godly, it is extraordinarily powerful. And it's not just because I think it would be easy to stand up and say, within our prevailing culture, it's all about me, 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 the the rise and the, the, the predominance of the individual, the importance of the individual, the individual choice, which is true. It does underpin it, but society is also full of examples who give and serve selflessly on a day-to-day basis, whether they're Christians or not. So there is this serving element that does exist within our society, but it is so often trumped by the the greed, perhaps, or the predominance of our individual wants, demands, needs, and desires. So we're going to look at five points. Uh, They're not all the same length. The first one's slightly longer, so don't worry, Um, but they will get slightly shorter as we go on, which is, frankly, the better way around uh, when we do things like this. So... Um, but I do have a challenge, a quick quiz question, to, and the challenge is this. There are other words that we're going to be using in the scriptures, that, quite a few scriptures that will come on screen, um, that are associated with serfs as well. And we'll, we'll touch on those at the end. There are two others, so see if you can pick those out as we go through. So slide number one. Where do we want to start? Well, let's start with Jesus, shall we? And if we... Think about Jesus as servant. Perhaps the, 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 the passage in the New Testament that will most immediately spring to mind is Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 11, which is just here. And it says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I don't know about you, but with the most famous passages of Scripture, because you know what's coming next when you start reading the first few words, it's almost like you know it and you stop thinking about it. You just let it wash over you. But when you just think about what these statements are saying about who Jesus was, what he came to do, they are absolutely incredible. And I, I don't know about you, but whenever I think or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm made to think about Philippians chapter 2, I almost invariably also think about Colossians 1.15. Uh, and that's the slide that we're going to have a look at next. Because let's just take a minute to understand when he says in Philippians, um, who being in the very nature of God. Jesus, Paul says, was the, in the same nature as, as God himself. This is the passage that kind of almost sums that up as perfectly as you possibly can. So this is our Jesus. This describes the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is a, a character reference to the person who took the job of being a servant. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, it's incredible. Paul says in Philippians 2 that Jesus didn't come and do the job of a servant. He didn't come and perform a set of tasks that showed us how we should serve. It said he took on the nature of a servant. He became a servant. He didn't just do a servant's job. The person who's described in here, in Colossians 1, who could have had the whole world, the whole of history, the whole of history of the universe serving him, came to earth as a servant. And not only did he take on the nature of being a servant, everything he said when he was here on earth was kind of underpinned by this notion of, of serving, being here to serve. In Matthew 20, uh, verse 28, uh, there's a passage where, as our friend Douglas was telling us about, um, there was a discussion about who was the greatest disciple. And Jesus said there in blue, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, 
and give his life as a ransom for many. And as Douglas says, he even washed the smelly feet of his disciples. So as we're sat here this morning, if we want to be something, we have to be a servant. If we want to be effective and obedient to what Jesus calls us to be, we have to follow his example and be a servant. And far from being a, a, a menial thing, it's actually, in the life of Jesus, the greatest thing in the world. Luke 20, 22, 27 says this, Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. So I hope, in terms of that first point, you have no problem with the fact that Jesus, although almighty God himself, being in the very nature God, he also became he took on the nature of being a servant. Is that okay? You're happy with that? Do you understand that Jesus was a servant? He came as a servant. So that's point one. So point two is this. There's also quite a strong line in Scripture that talks about this. And it's about we serve God himself. So we'll come in point three to being servants of one another and the wider community. But before we do that... Um, we have to just think about what, what, is, what is the Bible teaching us about when it says we serve God. So if we look at uh, Deuteronomy, for example, chapter 10, verse 12, it says this. Uh, it's great, a few verses in the Old Testament. And now, Israel, uh, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving to you. To love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And you might remember when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, you know, he was in his fasting before his ministry uh, really started in earnest. Uh, it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus, he's being tempted, Satan's coming with scriptures. And he said, away from me, Satan, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So, it seems a bit of a strange concept, doesn't it? That we should say, what does God need from us? Can you think of anything? He needs nothing of himself. He needs nothing in himself. He is perfect. But what he does need of us is to serve others so that his kingdom grows. So we'll come on to number three right now. So we'll go, just jump to point three. Uh, forget the next scripture, Kathy. it's a mistake in my notes. So I've just realized that. Sorry about that. We are God's hands and feet to those around us. We are God's arms of encouragement. We are God's arms of support. We may be God's voice of challenge. We're the, one who, uh, the ones who bring the good news of Jesus to other people. We are the, the body of Christ here in Darlington and across the church, across the face of the earth. God has chosen us incredibly to be the way in which his love comes to other people. And as we're obedient to him, 
then we also serve him. As we serve him with all our heart and all our soul and listen to what he has for us to do and then go out and do it, we serve God in that kind of way. But the primary way I think we do serve God is by doing this, is by serving others. Very helpfully in the, in the New Testament particularly, the three Greek words which I won't go into, but they perfectly come together to form uh, what we're thinking about this morning. One really is concentrates on kind of voluntary work and outreach into the community. We serve the community in which we live. The second is around our service to God in worship. And our third is, the third is around service in relation to looking after one another. And as we said at the start, serving can feel like it might be a menial task, a bit, uh, perhaps a bit humiliating. And when Jesus was around, being a servant or a slave in Roman times, generally speaking, was not a bundle of laughs. You were the lowest of the low, unless you were completely uh, cast out from your own communities. Someone who had very little prospect. Someone who might have been discriminated against because of their race or even color or their religious background. Someone who was owned by someone else who essentially could do anything they wanted to them. Almost not seen as a person in their own right. And yet Jesus chooses this to say, this is how I want to be amongst you and how I want you to be amongst each other. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's Anne Langton here. I saw Chris and you know, Anne brought a prophetic word last week about challenging us about where our priorities lie. God was challenging us about where our priorities lie. Whether we need to think about how we handle our time, what we do with it, how we handle our money, what we do with it. Where are we placing Jesus in our lives? Jesus served. He didn't seem to have rules about who he served. Sometimes people brought the sick to him and he healed them. Sometimes he just saw someone completely independently reached out. When the disciples tried to push the, the children away, he said, no, bring them to me, I need them. Jesus was on the lookout all of the time for opportunities to serve others. And as I said also earlier on, this is, you know, serving is not just the prerogative. We, we should be the best servants in the world. <laughs> but we know of many examples of other people who are incredibly powerful testimony of their selfless lives in the service of other people, whether they're Christians or not. And I do believe um, that whether you are a Christian or not, if you serve, you are reflecting God's presence in you. You know, Genesis 1.27 says we are made in his image. And you may not agree with this, that's absolutely fine, but I think anything that is good in humanity is a reflection of the God who created us all in the first place. So we can rejoice in the service of others and what they do. And sometimes their example might challenge us as well. Jesus reached out not just to his disciples, but actually anyone, strangers. He talked about, if you go and serve someone in prison, you're doing it as if you're giving it to me, for me. He completely associated himself 
with those who needed serving. Matthew 25, 40 says this, uh, the king will reply, uh, this is part of Jesus' teaching, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And we do that here magnificently in many ways, don't we? The work in the center, the, the practical things that we do here. I mean, obviously the food bank, the furniture scheme, the cafe, all of the other, other activities that take place, both here and that you do not here, but elsewhere as well. I think we have a strong emphasis in our DNA as a church to serve those who need serving. But you know as well as I do, there's so much more that needs to be done. There's so much more need out there that needs a serving heart to come alongside. Every act of service is helping change someone's life for the better and is serving God as well. So we looked at Jesus, we serve God, we serve each other. Fourth thing I want to say is this. However, serving is also a specific gift. So I don't know about you, um, I'm actually both in awe, humbled, and challenged, and feel guilty about the examples of people in this church who serve selflessly. There are people who do it, who we know about, there are lots of people who do things behind the scenes that nobody would ever know about except the person themselves. We have a pastoral team who go above and beyond. And Jesus calls us all to serve. But if we look in Romans 12 uh, to verse 7, it says this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, let them prophesy in accordance with our faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. So the fourth thing I want to say is this. Serving is also a very specific gift. There are people who God has put a serving heart into who are able and have the capacity just to keep serving, serving, and serving when the rest of us who try that would be knackered and worn out. And I think what we should do is perhaps, you know, we're, we're very good at recognizing some things, aren't we, as gifts, because they're perhaps a little bit more obvious and less good at recognizing gifts that are not quite so obvious. And yet they're equally, if not more important. Serving is a gift. You know whether you've got that gift. And I just want to honor you. Those and honor God for placing in King's family those who have a specific serving gift. And what we need to be able to do is to help those of you who have that to do it effectively and not burn yourselves out. Because one of the problems or the challenges for those who have that gift is that they perhaps don't know when just to refuel themselves or stop. It's very easy to overstretch yourself. So if you know that, that might be a good discussion in your connect group or your home group or your cell group or your small group or your life group, whatever you've decided to call it, midweek group. To so, uh, who is it that we know that? So now how can I continue to pray for you? How can I learn from your example? But how can we pray for you so that serving as 
a real fundamentally important activity of King's Church is supported, is nurtured, is encouraged, and is invigorated, is continually refreshed so that we can reach out to other people. Lastly, point five is this. Can I just have the next slide up a second? It's a quick quiz question. Who's this motley crew? Are you being served? Yeah, when you search for images of this, there are one or two that you wouldn't want to be putting up here, actually. But <laughs> are you being served? Now, for those who are a bit younger, you'd be thinking, what on earth is that? Well, it was a, a, a tongue-in-cheek sitcom, I don't know, probably about 30 years ago, so yeah, I have no, or, or thereabouts, I'm not sure, probably, possibly even longer. Uh, would not get on the television these days uh, because of the level of innu innuendo that there was in there uh, and stereo stereotyping. But the title of the, the series was are you, are you Being Served? And it struck me that an important element of serving working well is that we are happy from time to time to be served by others. Now, that doesn't mean that it undermines or, you know, disqualifies everything I've said up until now. But if I asked you to put your hand up in here if you never needed any help, no hands would go up. Which reminds me, you know the Charlie Mackesy book that came out, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and the Horse? It was a big hit around Christmas time. There's a question that I read it, and it was, there were some really, really powerful little sentences. And I remember one that said something like, um, the boy asked the horse, what is the bravest thing you've ever said? Help, said the horse. Help. Bravest thing you ever said. We all need help. None of us has the ability to go through this life untouched without need of support. But if I were to ask you, if you wanted to, to put your hands up, if you find it difficult to receive help, there'd be more hands. Somehow we, some, oh no, it's okay, it's okay, I'm fine. Oh, don't worry. Or, you know, don't put yourself out. Or, but if God wants us to be servants and to serve others, it's obviously logical, isn't it, that we should have an environment where we are happy to be supported and served by others from time to time when we need it. And if we are uncomfortable with that, with, I, I suspect many of us probably are, we perhaps just need to come to a greater sense of peace and reassurance that actually it's okay to say, yes, actually I do need help. Or I was really touched by what you did, thank you but we have a tendency, I think most of us, to minimize it and try and keep it slightly at arm's length. But if God's calling us to think about these foundations, some of these, these are not the only foundational things we believe as a church, just things that we felt were important to think about as we kind of move uh, into a, you know, throughout this year. And if serving is one of those, then it would be great that we had a situation where we all felt, actually, I'm just going to step out in serving a bit more. I'm going to just be a bit more aware of what I can do to help others. But equally, not then be 
rebuffed by people we try and help. It's not, very, it's not a great encouragement to carry on, is it? So no, it's fine. No, it's not, I'm, I don't need any help. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Now, I'm, don't hear me. I'm not saying that there are, not, there are situations where you perhaps, you know, you, you want, they're private and they're confidential and you, you're chatting through with other people who you trust. That's absolutely fine. But if something does, someone does something for you, receive it with joy. Receive it with gratitude. Receive it with thanksgiving. It's a bit like, you know, when you have someone around for a meal. And they say, oh, it's, your t- or it's our turn next time. You know, it's our turn next time. You, you must come to us next time. Somehow to balance out the relationship between giving and receiving. You know, we can give and receive in all sorts of different ways. And we feel that it's such an important thing for us to, to think about. And it's not because we're bad at it, we're not. But we're not as good as Jesus was, well, actually at anything. And that's who our example is. So the other two words that have come up quite a bit um, in conjunction with, uh, with service is worship and obedience. And I just want to end... Um, with this, I, it's not on the screen, Kathy. So it's, it's, I just added this this morning. It's that bit in Romans where we talked about serving being a specific gift. If you look at the first few verses, it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his perfect, pleasing and perfect will. And when it says it's your spiritual act of worship, that could also be interpreted, as many of you will know, as your spiritual act of worship, of of service, sorry, your spiritual act of service. Because worship and service and obedience are completely tied together. Douglas didn't want to be class president, but he decided in the end, perhaps, by serving in that way, he would have the opportunity to do lots of good. And as we've thought about this this morning, <clears throat> that's how I kind of want to leave it, really, for a discussion for you to have, you know, in small groups. So how is it that we can be increase our capacity, our volume to serve? And it's not just serving people in the family here. It's serving neighbors. It's serving people at work. It's going that extra mile to help others. Because if, as we do that, do you think it's sowing seeds for the kingdom of heaven? Of course it is. Every act of kindness associated with being a follower of Jesus gives the opportunity to, to witness, to provide that moment for the Holy Spirit to work in someone's life. We might not often think of service as evangelism, but it is. Something that touches people's hearts. Something that says, nobody's ever done that for me before. Why did you do that? Taking the opportunity. So I'd like us all to be Douglases, really, me included. Um, And as we think about this, 
Um, I, it's, not a, it's not a heavy thing. I think it's just God's encouraging us. He's, he's just spurring us, stimulating us a little bit. How do we get better at this? How do we reach out? And as we reach out, look for those opportunities then to say, you know, but I can do this, but you know what? Jesus can, can do that. I can go this far, but perhaps what you really need to think about is something a bit more fundamental. I'm supporting someone who's going through a real challenging time. Now, I can help so much, but you know what? I know someone who can help even more than me. And that we use our service with one another to build our maturity and our strength as a family, but we use our serving heart to reach the lost for Jesus as well. Steve, could you just come up? We'll, uh, we're just going to... Um, we're going to finish with... Uh, a song of worship, um, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, just as an act of response, and uh, then we're going to break for tea and coffee as normal. Uh, and just for those who have that gift, thank you. You're a real blessing to this church. We couldn't do a lot of what we do without you, and you know who you are. Um, but for all of us, let's... Let's jump on to serving a bit more and think about it more during this week. Have it at the front of our minds as we're praying and seeking God. Oh.